Let's open our Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We talked last time about the contrast, you know, uh, of Paul's example as compared to the counterfeits, as compared to those who were imposters and, and just, uh, you know, that had a, a show. They had an outward show, but inward there was no power. They had, you know, they, it looked good on the outside, but there was nothing really in the inside. And Paul said, you know all about my, my teaching, you know all about my way of life, and he lists a whole bunch of things, his, his purpose, his faith, his patience, his love, his endurance, his persecutions and sufferings. And, and I, uh, you know, I, I have to continue to ask that question, is there that contrast in our lives compared to the world around us? Do they see that kind of, is there some different there? Is there a contrast between our lives and the lives of those that are not committed to Christ? I'm not talking about perfection, and we talked about that, that Paul, Paul never, uh, you know, pretended to be perfect, and none of us are, but, but the, you know, to have the power of God working in our lives, it does something. So Paul was this example, and his life was an example of a servant, of a leader. And, and we, we also know and we look ultimately, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so our ultimate example is Jesus, right? That's our ultimate example. We follow him. We, we read in, in John 13 how, you know, he said, follow my example after he had washed the feet of the disciples. And, and he gave that example that uh, he says the servant, you know, isn't above his master. And if I have done these things and I'm the master, then you should be willing to do those things, to be a servant. Today, as I promised you last week, we're going to talk about persecution, and there really there are two promises. But let's look at verses 10 through 13 and read those together. Paul says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet... The Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask you to open our hearts and minds. Maybe there's one thing you want us to hear, one thing, one point, one, one application for my life, for our lives. Let us hear. Help us to hear, Lord. By your Spirit, help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible is full of promises, isn't it? I promise you it is. The Bible is full of promises. Promises that God has given to us in this book. And, and uh, in the next uh, couple of sections, we're going to be talking about the Scripture and the inspiration of the Bible. But, but God has given us all these promises, and God keeps His promises. There's one thing that is for sure and for certain, is that God keeps His promises. Now, there are lots of promises, and some of them we like. Right? I really like some of the promises. But there are some of the promises that are spelled out in God's Word that I, don't, that I just don't like that much. Well, can you say that? Is that okay to say that? That I don't like certain promises? 
It's okay because it's true. We're being honest. God knows anyways, right, what we think, what we, what we feel. But God promises us all kinds of things. He promises, he promises us eternal life. Jesus promised that, you know, that he's going to prepare a place for us, right? He, he made that promise, and he says, when I, I come back, you know, I'm going to bring you to that place, the place I'm getting ready for you even now as we speak. But Jesus also promised, he said, you know, in the world you'll have what? Troubles. The King James says tribulation. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So there's promises that, that are in the Bible. And, and as we get to this section in 2 Timothy 3, Paul was telling Timothy that this is a part of life. This is part of what God has uh, shown. Now the definition of, of uh, persecution, oppression, hostility... Ill treatment for holding a belief or opinion. Now, there's lots of different kinds of persecution for lots of different kinds of reasons, but today we're going to focus on what, the, what he's talking about here, and that's uh, for being a believer, for trying to follow after God. But he says that, he says that there's going to be persecution. It's, it's a reality. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 15, uh, if you will, please. If you have your Bible handy, if you don't, we have Bibles in the back and, and we'll make sure you have one. John chapter 15, though, I want you to read along with me in verses 18 and following because Jesus said these same kinds of words. He gives us some explanation. He helps us understand. Verses 18 he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. He's talking to his disciples, and if you, are, you and I belong to him, we are his disciples. He says, that's why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. Again, coming from John 13. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. They do not know the one who sent me. Jesus told us this is, this is a reality of, of what can and will happen. Again, is this one of my favorite sections of Scripture that I want to uh, read and, and apply to my life? No. But it's something we, we need to know. And Paul was explaining to Timothy, there are some things you need to know. You need to be prepared. You need to understand what's going on in the world. And especially in the context, as Timothy's talking about, the last days. That's why we keep our eyes on heaven, because of what's going on down here. So let's turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we see in the middle of verse 11, Paul talks about some of his own life and, and his example. You see, Paul is not, you know, uh, driving around in a Lamborghini, right? Or maybe in his private Learjet. Paul's saying, listen, I've been here, I know what I'm talking about, and, and, and we're blessed to have what Paul wrote, right? Right? Paul wrote some incredible stuff. Paul was blessed by God. 
in incredible, incredible ways. But yet he still faced persecution and sufferings. He said, this is my life. Look at my life. There's a lot of great things, but there's also some stuff that is difficult, that's hard. Persecution. Look in, uh, in the middle of verse uh, 11. What is that noise? Antioch. See, I can hear certain things. I could even hear that. Could you hear that? Yes. Boom. Yes. Boom. Antioch. Antioch was a place that Paul went to on one of his missionary journeys. And you know what happened there? He got there and he was telling the people about Jesus. That's all he was wanting to do was tell them about Jesus. And guess what they did? They threw him out of the city. They chased him out and said, you are out of here. They got him. And in his case, it was the Jews. The religious Jews. Threw him out of the city. The next place there listed in, in verse 11, it says Iconium. He went to Iconium. After he left Antioch, he went to Iconium. And you can read about this in Acts chapter 13 and 14. And, and there, there was a plot to stone him. And what that means is to take stones and throw stones at someone until they die. That was what their plan was doing. Not a, not a pretty picture. But he heard about it somehow and he escaped. He got out of there. I'm, I'm out of here, right? So he, he goes from Iconium, he goes to Lystra. You know, he's thinking, this is the life of an evangelist. This is the life of, of an apostle. This is really exciting, right? being chased from one place to the next. He gets to Lystra, and some of those from, from Antioch and Iconium, they kind of followed him there. They got there where he was, and it says that they won the crowd over. And this time, they do stone him. They get the rocks, and they start throwing these rocks at him, throwing these rocks at him, and finally, they left him there for dead. They thought for sure he was dead. Now, we don't know for sure whether he was dead or he was not dead. It, you know, some people talk, he talks about being, you know, taken up to the third heaven. And some people think, well, maybe he did actually die there. But God said, no, you're not, you're not done yet. Your time is not over yet. And, and, and we don't know for sure. But the disciples came around him and, and, and he got up again. He was alive. But Paul's using this as an example of some of the persecutions that he was facing. Listen, he's not telling you things that he doesn't know about for himself. You know, I could get up here and tell you a lot of stuff that I read in books and a lot of different things. But, you know, if I tell you something that I've really, that I understand, that I've been through, experienced, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a lot more weight. It's going to have more meaning, don't you think? So Paul gives us this promise. Now, this is promise number one. He says in verse 12, he says, in fact, not maybe, but in fact, he says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's a promise. Now, that's, is that one of your favorite promises? You know, I just quote that over and over. You know, I love the promises of God. You know, you know that song, the old hymn, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. That's probably not one of the ones that we like to stand on. Right? That makes sense? 
John Corson, he said this, he says, here's a promise you're not likely to find in your precious promises box. Don't be surprised or be, just, or be discouraged by it. You know, they have these little boxes, you know, where you, have, you pull out the promise for the day. Oh, yeah. you know, you're going to be filled with joy today. Oh, you know. What? Oh, persecution. Oh, put that one, get rid of that one. <laughs> it's a promise. Not my favorite promise, but it is a promise if we want to live for God that we're going to face persecution. This is, Paul says, this is the reality. If you want to live a godly life, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Something will come into your life. Now, that's not the promise that we hear from some people, is it? Some of the guys on TV. I don't have cable at the moment, so I don't you know, get to hear, but I've heard plenty of them that the promises that they're giving you is not this promise. It's a promise that uh, that you're going to be, if you uh, follow their teachings, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, right? And what else? I don't know what else. What? Handsome? Hmm. I'm, I must be listening to the right guy. Or maybe the wrong guy, right? You know... You're never going to be sick. If you follow my teaching, you're, you're going to have a lot of money. And especially if you give a lot of money to me, you're going to have a lot of money. They don't talk about living godly lives. They talk about what you can get. Paul said in Philippians, he says, It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. That's another promise that we don't like to hear that often. He says it's, it's granted, it's, it's a given to you not only to believe, but to suffer for him. He says here there's going to be persecution for those who want to live godly lives. He says in Philippians 1.29 that suffering is a part of it. He already said that. That's part of the, the example of his life, persecution and sufferings. Why have you gotten so quiet all of a sudden? It's not, this isn't quite so happy, 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 happy are the people whose God is the Lord. You know that song? Let's all sing it together. No, just it's true though, right? This is what he says. If we want to live for God, that we will face persecution. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, but, but why, why is there persecution? Jesus said it in John 15, because of his name. Not because of my name. They're not persecuting me or you because of your name. Who cares? Who cares about you? They're persecuting because of the name of Jesus. Ultimately, it's a rejection of Jesus. They don't like what Jesus said. They don't like what he stood for. They don't like who he is or who, who they say he claimed to be. And they especially don't like the exclusive, what I call the exclusivity of Jesus. You know what I mean by that? The fact that he said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through him. The fact that the Bible declares that Jesus is the only way. There's no other name under heaven 
by which we can be or we must be saved. There's no other way to get there. There's no other prophet, no other name. People don't like to hear that. But you and I as Christians, we carry his name, right? We carry his name. Christian, we carry the name of Christ. If we proclaim and we want to live godly, we want to live as Christians. We proclaim his name. Another reason that, that uh, there's persecution like this is just because of sin. Just because of sin. Nobody wants to be confronted. Nobody wants to be convicted, right? But Jesus said this in John 3, Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. To come to Jesus, you see, it, it shines a light on everything that you're doing, everything that I'm doing. We have to be willing for that to be exposed and, and, and to, to, to get it all right and to confess it. We have to be willing, but, but there's a stubbornness in our hearts. We don't want anybody telling us that we're doing something wrong, right? Now, this persecution, really those are really the kind of the two main ones because of the name of Jesus and because of the sinful nature that we have. But you know what? It comes in all different forms. It comes from all different uh, sources, all different angles, and it really kind of depends on where you are and who you are and what's going on at that particular time. As I said, for Paul, it was the Jews, right? Those were the ones that were persecuting him. They didn't want to hear about this Messiah Jesus. They didn't want to hear that got them really, really mad when Jesus said that he was God. They, they said, you know, we've heard enough. Let's kill him right now. Right? You can read that in the gospel. But for some places, it's, it's something different. For some places, it's, it's Islam, right? If you are a Christian and you live in an in Islamic country, the persecution is going to come primarily from Muslims. If you live in India, the persecution against Christians is primarily from who? The Hindus. And, and this is the kind of thing, depends on where you are. In China, persecution comes from what? More specifically, someone said it. Communism, right? From communism. See, so, so what I'm saying is these, this kind of persecution, it can come from all different sources, secular, secularism, atheism, which is, of course, tied up with communism. Now, here in our society, here in America, now I want to keep the big picture here because we, we, sometimes we, we're thinking only of us. Me, you know, us and what we face is so bad. The truth is, in these other countries, it is way, way worse than what you or I face here in America. But here in America, it's more, it's a, it's a kind of a different thing. It's kind of a moral relativism. And again, think back to what I said were the two things. The name of Jesus and sin and this moral relativism. relativism well, if you say it's okay, it's okay. And if we kind of go down there, right. And this immoral society that we live in, that is, as I said a few weeks ago, 85% Christian. Really? There's an organization called the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, C-A-R-M. And uh, 
the fellow Matt Slick who runs it, he wrote this. He says that, that we as Christians are perceived as a problem to society. Now listen to this. This is like, this hits. We are perceived as a problem to society. Vilified, marginalized, face penalties such as being fired from jobs and fines, lawsuits, imprisonment, and confiscation of property because we don't support unbiblical views such as homosexuality, abortion, and moral relativism. Is that pretty much what we see? Now again, I want to say compared to other places where people are, are, are losing their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Because they will not recount. Because they will not deny the name of Jesus. They're giving their lives. As we speak around the world today. So you and I, you know, enough of our whining, you know, it's serious what we face here today. And I, I, I see it getting only worse and worse and worse. But, but let's not whine and say, you know, it's so, so bad here because, you know, someone calls you a Jesus freak. Because someone says, oh, you follow that Jesus. I don't agree with you. And they, you know, they persecute you in some way. And again, I think it's going to get worse. I truly believe it is. And I see the signs of it happening. Uh, getting worse and worse and worse in our country as, as, as I think we get into the last days. But let's keep it in perspective. And ultimately, it's all rejection of the truth. It's all rejection of the truth. If you look back in history, you'll see, you know, that it's been since the beginning. You look in the Old Testament, you find persecution of those who who were trying to live godly lives. They were persecuted. Then you get to the New Testament, and it doesn't take very long, right, before you see that they, they, you know, people are being put to death. James is put to death, right? John the Baptist is put to death because he, he would stand for the truth. You see it over and over and through the through the the Gospels, and then into the book of Acts, and then you read church history, and you see it's, it's, it's been since the beginning. But is it getting worse? I think it is. People who have studied this uh, have concluded, and I had mentioned this, this uh, statement, that more Christians died in the 20, 20th century than all the previous centuries of church history combined. And they have numbers to kind of back that up. Is it getting worse? Seems to. Seems to be. Open Doors, who uh, talks about persecution, they, they have these categories, extreme persecution, severe persecution, moderate persecution. You know, the USA isn't even on the list, right? Compared to these countries. But some of these countries, extreme persecution is happening in North Korea, in Iraq, Eritrea, Afghanistan, Syria, Pakistan, Somalia, Sudan, Iran. Extreme persecution for, for your faith in Jesus Christ. They talk about severe persecution. They name some, a whole bunch of other countries like Libya and Yemen and, and Nigeria. You can read about all these things. 
America, yeah, we have to pay attention to it, I think, too. Billy Graham warned in, in 2015, he, he, warned, he warned American Christians to prepare for unprecedented persecution. We, need, we should be prepared for it. And that's why we, we don't just gloss over this scripture and go over it. We, we, we need to be prepared for it and understand what it is and why it is. And if it happens to us, this idea, this thing that's happening that, that we see tolerance in our society for everything except Christianity. They say we're being intolerant. But yet they're tolerant of everything except Jesus Christ. One more thing. I, I, I really don't want to pass over this and I thought about this this morning really is that Persecution refines the church, doesn't it? It refines the church. What do I mean? What do I mean? By, what do I mean by that? It it kind of it, it it puts the you know the spotlight on. Do you truly believe in Jesus? Are you real? Are you really willing to follow Him no matter what the cost? Count the cost and you you put your hand to the plow and then don't look back. Count the cost, knowing it may cost me my life to follow Jesus Christ. Are you willing? To say, I will, not, I will not deny the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will it get to that? I don't know about our lifetime, but it, it could get to that in our society. So, let's get on to promise number two, because I told you there were two promises, Right? Promise number two is this. Is this? Look back there in uh, verse 11 again in the last part. He says, yet. He talks about the persecution he faced. He says, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. He promises us that we will face persecution, but he also promises, that's promise number two, that the Lord's going to rescue us. He's going to rescue us. He promises to rescue us. Now, for some people, that rescue has been directly to heaven, right? Not necessarily here in our country, but around the world, it happens. It happens on a regular basis that he's rescued us all the way to heaven. I don't know that that's such a bad thing, do you? Literally, the words there say in that verse, the Lord rescued me out of all of them. Because when we read it, he rescued me from all them, it means he's kind of protecting me from all that. No, he rescued Paul, he says, out of all of those things. They still came, but, but Paul was rescued out of them. Out of it. Do you see the difference, what I'm trying to say? He doesn't promise an easy ride, but he does promise his rescue. Turn with me, if you will, please, a few books ahead to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We've heard from Jesus. We've heard from Paul. What does Peter have to say? Someone pointed out to me uh, yesterday, you know, Peter denied the Lord and... Uh, and then he, you know, 
the Holy Spirit came and gave him the strength and, it, and then he turned around and faced, he faced uh, crowds of people and he preached the gospel and, and thousands came to know Jesus. But he also, in the end, what, what happened to him? He was martyred for his faith in Christ, right? Tradition says that he was, he was crucified. They wanted to crucify him. But he says, I, I, I will not be crucified the same way my Lord was and they crucified him upside down. But look what he says before that happened. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised. That's why we're talking about this day. Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as, as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Praise God that you bear that name. See some of the promises in here? He promises to rescue us, but he says here that that the, you'll be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. The Spirit of glory, the Spirit of God rests on us when we go through those times. That's what Jesus promised, right? In, in Matthew chapter 5, He says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So there's two promises about persecution. Let's not only just talk about the bad one, but the reality is that, that God has promised His glory, that God has promised to rescue, that God has promised to, that, that we have reward in heaven. So, to sum it all up, don't be surprised, don't be discouraged, but be prepared. It, it, you know, during your lifetime here in this place, you don't know what you will face. Be prepared. Consider that. Consider before. Warren Wearsby said this, you can be sure that during these last days it will become, it will be more and more difficult to live for Christ. I believe that. It's going to get more and more difficult to live for Christ. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Secondly, drive our roots down deep. And what I mean by that is to really, if you're going to follow Christ, follow him, okay? Follow him. Why do I say that? It was because in the parable of the sower, you, you've heard of the parable of the sower. One of them was, you know, uh, where the sower sowed his seed and it was on rocky ground, right? And it kind of came up, the seed came up, but it says this, and let me quote to you from Matthew 13, 21. It says, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. 
See, it's just, it's just kind of the show. It's just kind of a, this thing. There's no root. There's nothing that goes down deep into the rock. Drive your roots down deep, you know, if you're going to live for him. It, you know, if not, don't waste your time, really. If you're not going to truly follow Jesus, don't waste your time. Number three, this is maybe more difficult. Don't retaliate. Paul said in Romans 12, don't, don't retaliate, but, but, but to bless those who persecute you. Jesus said that too, didn't he? Love your enemies and what? Pray for those who persecute you. I, I want to mention this one too, and I think this is important here in our country that we stand up for the freedoms and the principles that our country was founded upon, which are being eroded very, very quickly. It's almost insanity that's happening. But you know what? You say, well, it doesn't affect me yet, but it will. It will affect churches like ours someday. If it continues down the path, it's going right now. It's going to affect how we operate, how we function. Matt Slick, again, the guy from CARM, he says that we, we need to defend our rights to preach and teach the truth of Scripture. Finally, the bottom line, this is what I call the bottom line. We might face persecution, but Simon Peter said to Jesus when he said some difficult things, and it, it says in John 666, right? 666, he says, many stopped following him. They didn't like what they heard. They said they, they went off and do their thing. And Jesus said to them these words. He, he said to him, he said to them first, what about you? What about you? The going gets tough. What about you? Are you going to leave too? Are you going to just go and do your own thing too? And this is what Simon Peter's answer was here in John 6, 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else are you going to go? Who else is, are you going to go to, to that will save you, that will rescue you, who will take care of you, who's preparing a place for you? You have the words of eternal life. To live for him, we might face persecution to one degree or another. Is it worth it? I'd say for eternal life, it's worth it. There's no one else going to give you the hope that he gives to you, to me. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we pray for our world. Lord, we think of brothers and sisters uh, around the world that are facing torture and even death because of their faith in you, Lord. We pray that you'd strengthen them, help them, Lord. We pray for uh, an awakening in those countries and, and that even as we see in China, Lord, as persecution has, has never stopped in China, yet there's been a huge revival of over 100 million Christians in China. They thought they could stop you, didn't they, Lord? But nothing can stop you. We pray that you would work in the world to, to bring about your purposes, Lord. We pray you'd help us to face the persecution, the minimal 
persecution we're facing now and, and perhaps worse persecution in the future. We pray you'd strengthen us and we would be uh, committed. We would, we would be uh, truly committed to following you no matter the cost. It's not easy, Lord. We need your help. Is there anything we can do without your help? No. I pray here today for any who have, have never, uh, as uh, Paula prayed, have never received you, Jesus, as their Savior. And even here in this message today, I promise that it, it might get difficult. But yet you still are thinking that you, you're lost and that Jesus is the only way. And he does have the words of eternal life. And there's no one else that you can go to. And if that's you today, you can, you can open your life to Jesus and pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I bend my knee. I, I surrender. I'm a sinner. But I receive you today. I ask you into my life today. I believe in you. That you died on the cross for my sin that you rose from the dead defeating death that I could have eternal life thank you Lord for these souls that are here in this room today and watch over each one of us Lord you know what's going on in our lives some of us are facing serious problems some of us are kind of in an in-between. But Lord, we pray for your strength, your help. Watch over this family, Lord. Protect us and, and give us uh, your guidance for the days, the weeks, the months, and the years ahead, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, please.